Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Thursday, May 27th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Memorial Day marks the unofficial start of tourism season in Mississippi. We check in on the state's hospitality industry after a bruising 2020. Plus, trouble lurks behind the scenes at Mississippi's restaurants. And a Jackson writer takes a novel he wrote in 2013 and turns it around, literally. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Summer is a busy season for Mississippi's hospitality industry. And after the COVID-19 pandemic wreaked havoc on the state's hotels and casinos last year, strong performance in 2021 is critical. Rochelle Hicks is executive director of the Mississippi Tourism Association. She tells MPB that positive momentum can help the state recapture a strong tourism economy. The biggest challenge, I think, is I don't want to use the word get back, but to try to get our tourism industry back to the state that it was in prior to COVID. Because prior to COVID, we were, every year, we had an increase in visitors, you know, funding for the dollars that visitors spent in Mississippi, and that has increased every year. So we definitely want to get back to that benchmark, but then we want to go even higher than that and and really um, use this opportunity to get people to come to Mississippi that have never been here because we hear all the time that once you come to Mississippi, you'll come back. So I really think that if we use this opportunity to really put Visit Mississippi out to the, you know, the United States and even the world because we do have a lot of international visitors, you know, in normal times as well, you know, I think the sky's the limit because um, if people come here, they're going to enjoy themselves and they're going to tell their friends about it and they're going to come back. So far, 2021 does hold promise for Mississippi's service sector. That's according to Coastal Mississippi, an organization that promotes tourism along the state's coastline. Our Desiree Frazier talks to Karen Connor, who oversees Coastal Mississippi's marketing. We monitor the occupancy of our hotels 
and those are just, you know, some of the key revenue per available room. We monitor um, the room supply and the demand. And throughout the spring, we have seen just some amazing positive numbers. We are really have done, we have fared better than we are than, than the rest of the nation. Um, when we look at those key performance indicators, the rooms that are occupied, those hotel rooms that are occupied, we honestly, um, we look at those numbers and during the pandemic this past up until February, actually, um, occupancy was down nearly 40%. And here on the coast, we were only down right a little 9%. So again, we've seen just some great numbers. And as we drive along the beach, we see car tags from everywhere and our our hotels are have been doing great there's you know people are enjoying the great gulf coast cuisine that we have here Um, our our attractions are um, feeling like this is going to be an excellent season so again long story but we've we really do we feel positive that um, this is just the beginning of what's going to be um, a great summer for us here what would you attribute mississippi having a much better time of it than some surrounding states with drawing um, visitors. We're a drive market. And throughout the pandemic, that is where, you know, those that were going to travel, they had to change some of their habits and how they traveled. So they were staying closer to home. They were using their own personal vehicles. So that was, you know, we, you know, we're, again, we're an easy drive from so many, you know, that six-hour drive radius from Atlanta to Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Panhandle of Florida, Birmingham, all of those areas. Um, Again, they could just, you know, hop in their own vehicle and be here on the coast. They arrive on the coast, but we're that, what we, our branding is Coastal Mississippi, the secret coast. We're not known. We're not this popular, popular destination where, you know, we're just, it's crowds of people. And that's a great thing because that during the pandemic, that's what people were looking for. They were looking to get out of their homes. They were looking to go and spend some time with their friends or spend some time with their family and just getting away and relaxing. And through our branding efforts and our advertising efforts, we believe that we were able to convey that message to them. We not only had a promise of that their trip here, that their family would be safe and healthy as the protocols that we have established with our medical professionals, Singing River Health Systems, Memorial Hospital, all of our hospitality partners. So not only does there is their health and safety the top priority, and that played a, you know, that was that primary messaging, but they could come and really have, sp- have room to, to spread out and room to roam and explore our 62 miles of coastline and we really feel that that um, also is what we attribute to, you know, our recent successes throughout the pandemic. Do you happen to have uh, an estimate of how much Mississippi lost in tourism revenue last year? I Was yeah. 2019 a really good year? 2019 was a good year and 2020 started off. We were looking at the year of 2020, January, February, those two months when we're tracking, we were looking at those two months of 2020 were the best months we had seen um, in the last six to eight years. And March, mid-March hit, and again, everything changed. So we're looking, um, of course, you know, what we do moving forward is um, getting back right now. Our goal is to get back to those, you know, historical numbers from 2019. That's where, that's our short-term goal. 
um, is to get back to those 2019 numbers and then continue to grow from there. Again, understanding that still, there are still people who are still hesitant to travel, and the, the world is not traveling yet. Everything is not open completely, so there's still some hesitation. What are some of the factors that you have to have in place to have a great tourism season or year? You've got to have that product that people are looking for. So when you're looking at the hotel mix that you've got, when you're looking at um, from a hotel to the Airbnbs to the campgrounds to a variety of lodging and then just overall variety of the amenities. So um, you want to truly be able to be able to we, we look at it a way that we you know, the visitors can truly dial up the type of experience they're wanting to have here on the coast and, and everything that we're doing we always are able to deliver on what we're promising on the front end, on that advertising, um, so that when they do arrive, you know, they've been served our ads, they've seen our commercials, our TV spots, our digital ads online, our social media. Um, and we've, we've, we've convinced them, essentially, to, you know, uh, to select Coastal Mississippi. So when they arrive, we want to, we want to deliver on that promise. And um, we've been successful with that. Again, they're able to share with their friends and family. And what we've been able to do is create those loyal vacationers here who continue to come back, you know, time after time. But again, we, again, attribute to the, the variety um, of assets we have on the coast. We're not only, you know, we have, you know, beautiful, great beaches, but we've got 12 amazing casino resorts. We've got the great fishing and culture and shopping and the cuisine. So we really do find ourselves to be a very special, unique destination. Karen Carner, Director of Marketing with Coastal Mississippi, thank you so much for your insight and giving us a bird's eye view of what's happening in tourism in the state. Thank you very much. So the weather's getting warmer, COVID-19 restrictions are relaxed, and tourists are returning to Mississippi. What could possibly go wrong for the state's restaurants? That's next. You're listening to Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Demand for Mississippi's hotels, casinos, and restaurants has stabilized as the state emerges from COVID-19 restrictions. But Pat Fontaine, who is the executive director of the Mississippi Hospitality and Restaurant Association, says the pandemic's effects on the labor market still ail Mississippi's restaurants. He speaks with our Desiree Frazier. From a sales perspective, uh, I have been in communication with several members over the past couple of weeks and, and everyone is reporting, you know, a sales volume that um, reflects where they were pre-pandemic. The biggest issue facing restaurants and, and other industries as well deals with labor. Restaurants are achieving these pre-pandemic sales levels with uh, significantly reduced staff. Uh, in my conversation with one member, uh, their back of the house staff, uh, which is your your cooks and, and uh, things in the kitchen, 
they're operating at 50% of, of their normal staffing level, and yet they're uh, achieving these sales figures. And you know, certainly, uh, they're they're working <laughs> some overtime uh, at this point. But that's that's kind of where we are, and this is statewide, nationwide, really. And also, you know, with all segments of the industry. Um, You mentioned that some restaurants are rethinking the way they deliver their service. That is correct. Throughout the the labor crisis, some restaurants that offered table service have discontinued that and uh, where they could set up uh, for counter service only. I just left a Jackson area restaurant uh, that was uh, ordered at the counter and uh, delivered to the table, uh, but due to shortage in staff, they have closed the dining area altogether and it's uh, strictly pickup and delivery. How are restaurant owners managing morale-wise with what they're encountering uh, after what we've been through? It's very difficult. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there are employees uh, who have, you know, remained on the job or are working overtime. And uh, I know some owners have uh, cut back on the hours of operation and are closing uh, a day of the week that they normally wouldn't be closed uh, to give their employees a break because they realize how hard they're working. Are they coming up with incentives to bring people back? I know I've read several articles. Oh, yes. And and, uh, from signing bonuses with the promise of another 90-day bonus, I had one member in Gulfport that was offering uh, to enter new hires or referrals of new hires into a drawing for a new car. So there are some incentives that, are unprecedented. Uh, never would have seen this in the, in the past. I was reading an article, and I know that um, states have, some states like Mississippi, have cut back on receiving the additional $300 in unemployment benefits, seeing that as a reason that people aren't returning to the job market. I'm reading some articles that people, because of what they've been through, it's not the money, but it's their mindset. They don't feel like they want to continue in that particular career or it didn't pay enough, and they are looking at how to uh, better utilize what they can offer an employer and be paid more. Well, you know, certainly the... um Federal unemployment benefit is not the only reason. However, I will tell you that uh, on a recent call with the National Restaurant Association, 42%, and this is a a nationwide statistic, 42% of those receiving uh, unemployment benefits, including the federal benefit, uh, were making more uh, than they were their normal wages. So certainly that is a factor, probably uh, the largest contributing factor. Uh, there is you know, still some that are in a high-risk population that, that are fearful of exposure. In some areas, um, 
and I, and I don't know to what effect it, it applies here in Mississippi, but child care uh, is a factor. And right now there are more jobs available uh, than there have been in the past, and they're higher-paying jobs. So for our industry, you know, there may be a flight to uh, those jobs that are higher-paying. If you could look in a crystal ball and say, hmm, I think things will turn around by, do you get a sense of when you could see the restaurant industry really coming out of this and having the staffing that it needs? You know, I, I just can't uh, speculate as to when, we'll, you know, we'll get back to um, pre-pandemic levels. However, I will point out, and I believe in previous conversations with you, Labor was an issue prior to the pandemic. There were many restaurants, you know, across the state that were operating understaffed. So I think, you know, there are many factors uh, with regard to that. And referenced it earlier, you know, higher paying jobs uh, were available. Uh, So, uh, like I said, I, I can't really speculate as to when. You know, labor will return to at least um, you know, pre-pandemic levels. Uh, we're we're hopeful that we'll see uh, it improve uh, in the very short term. Pat Fontaine, executive director of the Restaurant and Hospitality Association, we appreciate your time. You're more than welcome. Coming up, writer Kieze Lehman reimagines his 2013 novel. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. The book Heavy brought Jackson, Mississippi writer Kieze Lehman national attention. So did his next memoir, How to Slowly Kill Yourself and Others in America. In 2013, Lehman released his first novel, Long Division. Now, eight years later, the University of Mississippi professor is re-releasing Long Division with some big changes. It's completely different structurally. I separated the two stories before the two stories were sort of interwoven together. I separated them. Now the two stories meet in the middle. And then I went back and changed some of the language. I wasn't sure some of the language that I used was ethically right. And after eight years of thinking about it, I could go back and change some of the language. So the language is different. Structurally, it's completely different, though. When it says two stories that can be read front to back and back to front, that's because, as you said, they meet in the middle? Yeah, it's a it's an adult flip book. So you read the first book or novel, that's 2013, and it quote-unquote ends. And then if you keep flipping the pages, you see some leaves, and then you flip the pages more, and you see words that are backwards. So that's a key, a hint, for a reader to flip the book over. So, you know, there's two different covers on the same book. So you can read the book front to back. You can read book one to the middle, or you can read book two to the middle. It's, you can read it either way. You have written a couple of nonfiction books that have garnered you a lot of attention and praise, Heavy and How to Slowly Kill Yourself and Others in America. 
Do you think nonfiction is where you have found your voice? Do you think you'll stick with nonfiction? Or are you interested in novel writing again? I'm just writing. You know, I'm doing, I'm working on a novel right now. I've got a, another piece. It's sort of like a long poem that I'm turning into my editor in the next week or so. I'm writing TV and writing film. So I'm just trying to tell stories through as many different mediums as I can. So the, the nonfiction is the easiest form for me. Novel writing is just hard. It's harder than writing TV scripts, hard than writing film scripts. But I've, I've got a, two novels that I'm working on in the next two or three years. So I'm, I'm trying to do it all. This book, Long Division, is certainly intriguing. Tell us about the characters, and it also involves time travel, which is very interesting in and of itself. So give us an idea of what this book is and who the characters are. This book really is exploration into the ways that, like, black children across generations in Mississippi creatively grieve. You know what I mean? It's like I think the blues is created out of a desire to creatively grieve. I think hip hop is created out of desire. But I also think in our interpersonal lives and in our communities, we, we, we interpersonally grieve. And so this book is, you know, this one character named City, 2013. He feels like he's been made a mockery of. He go ahead, he's sent to live with his grandmother before he's there. His teacher gives him a book called Long Division. It freaks him out because he sees his name is in the book. Some people he, he knows pretty well are in the book. So, you know, and you flip it around, there's another city who, who's going through a, a different journey, a time travel journey in 1985. And so, like, again, the, the book is about the creative ways that black children in Mississippi grieve. The two characters are in different time periods, but they come together? Do they, they meet in a different time? The two characters, their times meet. Their times definitely meet. So, like, the city in 2013 meets... 1985's city. So they meet in 1964 as well. Um, <laughs> but what, whether whether they actually meet or not, or whether, you know, they're actually writing a book or not, I, I think that's, if I tell that, I'm, I'm giving away the book. Well, that should certainly tease people to read the book, though, <laughs> to figure yeah. out. But it's not Back to the Future in any way, right? <laughs> oh, no, it's not, it's not Back to the Future. It's influenced by Back to the Future. You know, in, in the earlier version, there was a reference, a few references to Back to the Future, but I took those out. Now, is this a comedy, a tragedy, tragic comedy? How do you view it? It's a tragedy. It's a comedy. You know what I mean? It's gospel, it's blues, it's rock, it's hip-hop, it's, it's Faulkner, it's Richard Wright, it's Margaret Walker. It's definitely a comedy and a horror at the same time, definitely. What would yeah. you like to leave our, our listeners with in terms of why they should read this book? I think people should give this book a chance because it's a foreign exploration of what black kids in Mississippi are doing to survive everything that we put on it. But again, the, the, the operative word is that it, it's, it's fun and it's dark and it's, you know, it's mysterious and it's, some parts of it are horrific and some parts of it are tragic, but it's fun. These characters are trying their best to push back depression and push back sadness and creatively find ways to have fun in the midst of all of this mess. And hopefully readers will have fun too. Kiazi Lehman is a writer and a professor of English and creative writing at the University of Mississippi and the author of Long Division. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. 
Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.